Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions. Connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now, the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. One of the most important issues of the day that we deal with as believers is the issue of abortion. And we, as a church, we're designed to help people who have been caught feeling like that was an answer that they took uh, a way out, but we're also as a church wanting to combat that legally. So we want to have this interview today with uh, Alex. I'm going to be kind of asking you some questions, Alex, about where and what the church can do concerning this struggle concerning abortion. You remember slavery? It was a struggle. Then that's what it was called. And finally, righteousness won out. And that's what we're praying concerning abortion, the struggle uh, of for this. And we're praying that righteousness would win out. And so here we have, uh, Alex, uh, the question is, it being a significant issue of our day, uh, we want to help people to understand and get engaged in this issue of abortion, don't we? Well, it, it is very much a significant issue because where you stand on abortion will ultimately boil down to where you stand on either the rights of the child or the rights of the mother. And uh, I would submit that throughout history, and certainly biblically, but historically, um, the unborn is seen as a person. And if if any humans have inherent, inalienable, God-given rights, and our Constitution Declaration says that we do, you know, I think about uh, JFK in his 1961 inauguration, John F. Kennedy who was a Democrat, said that the rights of, of man come from not the government, but from the hand of God. So if we have God-given rights uh, throughout history and biblically, we've believed that persons have rights. But since 1973, it's been assumed and legislated and, frankly, enforced that the assumed rights of the mother trump the guaranteed rights of the child. Uh, go over and expand on the word assumed. That that goes back to the ruling the first time Roe v. Wade um, and, and the legal writing. The, it was a precedent because that assumption had never been made before, had it? Well, well exactly. And, and folks, uh, in no way am I trying to be inflammatory or anything like that. But let me say, we've seen in our day uh, rights that were manufactured, not natural rights or inalienable rights or objective rights, but rights that were assumed or invented or or manufactured, like the right, quote-unquote, to gay marriage, the right to an abortion. And in 1973, it was really sold to the American public as the right to privacy. I mean, oddly enough— the um, the law that made it legal for an expectant mother to terminate the pregnancy, to take the life of the unborn, 
was was sold under the guise of being the right to privacy. Uh, but but let's just if we're going to take that to its logical end, um, if we do something in private, does that make it right? I mean, if if I rob a bank, but I do it under the cover of night and it's private, no, nobody's in the bank. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that doesn't follow at all. Now, when we in logic or in in critical thinking class talk about something that does or does not follow, we're talking about necessarily um, merely making something private or doing something out of sight from other people. It doesn't follow at all that that makes it right. And so what's been different about the last 46 to 47 years of American life and certainly American government and jurisprudence? And and I, I think, Bert, this change has really put us on dangerous ground. We, for um, several hundred years, were a continent and then a nation that assumed what were called um, objective morals or natural law. Um, You know, it's the Massachusetts Provincial Congress in 1774. uh, They wrote this law for the uh, inhabitants of Massachusetts Bay, which hugely influenced our Constitution. They said, nobly defend those rights which heaven gave and no man can take from us. The rights of heaven or the law of God or moral truth or objectivity or natural law, call it what you want, but we've believed that there were moral truths that weren't, in, weren't invented by man. You can't really add to them or take away from them. They're written on the heart of all people. We know it. Life is a right because murder is wrong. Private property ownership is a right because stealing is wrong. You see, there's a positive right and a negative prohibition. Now, to say that it is okay if a woman is pregnant and she doesn't want to be, she can terminate the pregnancy because it's her body that she has rights over. That is manufactured, contrived, artificial, because when an abortion takes place, Bert, uh, it's not the body of the mother that's getting terminated. It's the body of another person. Now, I want to talk about personhood in just a moment, but understand we opened up a huge Pandora's box when we said that rights can be invented. Because by who? Huh. Yeah. By whoever's in power? Whoever's got the loudest megaphone. Right. Um, the gay marriage ruling of 2015. And by the way, folks, you've got to understand. Um, 6,000 years of human history, 6,000 years of human history was thrown out the window when, in 2015, the U.S. Supreme Court decided that suddenly um, homosexual marriage was commensurate with heterosexual monogamy. Now, how did those rights that had never existed, certainly not in the Word of God, not in British common law, not in Western civilization, not in 6,000 years of history, and certainly not in 240 years of American law, how did suddenly there's a right that heretofore had never, ever existed? It wasn't because reality changed or truth was revised. It was because the court now feels empowered to create rights that previously didn't exist. And look, um, if, if you can create the right to choose to kill another person, then if, if the right to life is up for grabs, 
than than rights about specific behaviors. Goodness, that's um, any anybody's game. Bert, even in preparing for this show, I read an article last night where people are forcefully. I wouldn't say accurately, and I wouldn't say, um, you know, truthfully, but forcefully arguing for that is demanding rights to polygamous marriage, rights to what are called pederasty. There's no end to it, honestly. Is there? There, there isn't. Um, people are demanding the legalization of pederasty. In other words, to have intimate relations with children. Let's throw out the age of consent, and therefore. Uh, laws against statutory rape are gone. And do you understand, we had life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. We had, as Harry Truman, JFK, Martin Luther King Jr., the founding father said, a Judeo-Christian moral code. But we've thrown that out, and so now it's okay to abort. It's okay to redefine marriage. It's okay to believe that gender is fluid. It's now people are arguing, I want to have multiple spouses. I want to be able to interact with children. People have, they're already talking about bestiality, a whole host of things that, frankly, I believe are unspeakable. Going back to abortion and how you're doing that with marriage and how there's no end to this spiral downward Yes, with abortion and taking of life, even those that would vote for the child to be delivered and then let that child die. Then it also goes to the idea of senior adults. When a certain society feels like they're no longer productive, take away yes. all the resources that would help them, and even to the come to the point of death. So, yes. so when you start inventing this so-called rights, yes. then the the Pandora's box is completely open, isn't it? Exactly. And it becomes might and money. It becomes this. And folks, uh, you're, you're listening to the American Family Radio Network, and we do want to give some good news because we as Christians and citizens have the opportunity to make a difference. But listen, you know, when they were talking about Obamacare and death panels that would basically crunch the numbers and decide if you... Uh, have the, the the privilege of living. Look, it, we're headed to an Orwellian uh, world where um, non-producers um, get euthanized. You know, there was a movie in the late 60s or early 70s called Soylent Green, and it was a dystopian movie about a future where there wasn't enough food and there wasn't enough resources to go around. And... Um, <laughs> I mean, this is hard to think about. In fact, it was Edward G. Robinson's final film, and I think uh, Charlton Heston was in it as well. But uh, people, when they were non-producers, and you're old and can't work anymore, you're you're not a human to be valued. You're just a worker bee to be evaluated. They would have they would be sent to a place where they would lay down on a bed and watch beautiful scenes like birds in a field, and they'd watch this pretty movie. And while they're watching this movie, they would be euthanized. And then they would be ground up and turned into food, and people would get all these food pellets. And we, we think about that. That's just impossible, uh, and that's like an unthinkable scenario that would never happen. But look, Peter Singer right now, he's an atheist. Peter Singer is is an atheist, a bioethicist professor, and he now argues that it is 
I hate to even say this, folks, but you've got to understand what happens when you throw out the the moral foundation that we had. Peter Singer, an atheist professor, is now arguing that it is okay to rape disabled people. He has argued for all sorts of infanticide and abortion. Um, But he says this, listen to this, the pro-life groups were right about one thing, the location of the baby inside or outside of the womb should not make much of a moral difference. We cannot coherently hold it is all right to kill a fetus a week before birth, but as soon as that baby is born, do everything possible to keep it alive. Now, he doesn't believe in in pro-life, but he's saying, look, if you can kill the baby at any time, uh, then, then you can kill the baby. And what's the difference between being in utero or being out? That's why, you know, Hillary Clinton, she doesn't talk about it a lot now, but um, back about seven years ago, she was advocating for post-birth abortion. Now, let me quote another atheist, uh, Christopher Hitchens, the late Christopher Hitchens, who I knew. He was actually um, a little bit of a friend. We had dinner with him, had a debate, corresponded by email, actually had him on uh, American Family Radio because of his um, severe denunciation of, of Islam and terrorism. While Hitchens was an atheist, I'm very sad about that, um, There, he, he was beginning to get some moral sensibilities about him. And he said this, uh, I've had a lot of quarrels with my fellow atheists and secularists on this point, but I think that if the concept child means anything, the concept of, quote, unborn child means something. So he became pro-life, even though he was an atheist, I'm sad to say. Now listen to Christopher Hitchens, who died in 2011. He was asked if he was opposed to abortion and had become a member of the pro-life movement. The atheist Hitchens said yes. All of, quote, all of the discoveries of embryology and viability, which have been very considerable in the last few years, confirm, in my opinion, that which should be innate in everybody. It's innate in the Hippocratic Oath. It's instinct in anyone who's ever seen a sonogram. So yes is my answer. I am now pro-life. Wow. End of quote. Now, folks, here's the thing. Science brought him to that point. Science brought him to that point. I would give three reasons that every person, now, that whether or not you're a Christian, because a lot of people think that life is a, quote, Christian issue. I would say it's a human issue, and it's yes. definitely a human rights issue. Now, I am a Christian. I, unapologetically, I, I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a Christian. But I would say, back up a step, life and the constitutionality of being pro-life, the unconstitutionality of being pro-abortion, that's not a Christian issue per se. That's an issue of morality. And I would say 6,000 years of human moral knowledge should lead us to be pro-life. The dark outcomes of the pro-choice position that... Uh, in invented rights, uh, euthanasia, uh, just this this world of lawlessness that has been opened up because of our abandonment of moral truth should lead us to be pro-life. But finally, Bert, I would say science right. should lead us to be pro-life. Science finally caught up with some biblical truth. Speaking exactly. of that, the science is real. I, I don't think anyone can deny that these days. Sure. And when they that mother 
of that child sees that baby from an ultrasound, 80% of the time that mother chooses life. That is an amazing fact. Let's go. You've done the science, but let's give a biblical understanding to that, Alex. Uh, On the biblical side, we find out Jeremiah had a lot to say about that. We found out that, I mean, the only thing I can say uh, John the Baptist sleeping in his mother's womb gives evidence of life and understanding, even at an early age, in the womb. Well, y- yes, you you mentioned Jeremiah one verse five. You know um, that he he was known before he was in his mother's womb and called out to be a prophet to the nations. I think about Psalm one hundred and thirty nine thirteen and fourteen. Um, says, "Quote for you created my inmost being; you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you." Because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. Um, let me say, there's going to be a very rude awakening on, on the Judgment Day when those that uh, is bad enough to be pro-choice, to a, a harmless, innocent, defenseless infant. I mean, folks, think about it. The killing of a baby? My my. My God, and I'm not being scatological here, and I'm not trying to be flippant, but from the cry of my heart and soul, I was like, my God, you would kill a baby? And what's so insane, Bert, is that the very same people that think nothing of killing human baby, a helpless, defenseless, morally innocent baby, they will go to the mat to defend some species of bird or fish or spotted owl. Now, now that is idolatry at best and satanic delusion at worst, that you would save animals but kill humans, uh, made in the image of God. And my point is this, and I think about this, for the Hillary Clintons of the world and the Hollywood celebrities, um, think about your soul the day you stand before God and and. We know, look, we can spin and market and try to legitimize things, but look, everybody in the world that's a thinking, rational human knows, they might not know the phrase, the law of biogenesis, but something is what it is. Aristotle, the father of logic, he said, A is A. Now, here's my point. A conceived human baby is not going to become an oak tree. It's not going to become a stalk of broccoli. Uh, A fertilized egg is not going to grow into a puppy dog. A a baby grows up into what it already is, a human being. Human being. So you know, so you're going to face God one day, Hillary Clinton, and you're not going to be able to say, oh, that was a human baby. I had no idea. No, you know. That's why Romans says we are with God. Out excuse. And for the pro-choice people, I would beg out of care for your own soul and the meeting you have with your maker one day, admit that it is morally wrong to kill unborn humans, repent and seek forgiveness from Jesus, and move on living in the light of moral truth that you already really honestly do know. Alex, the other part of that is what we get accused of, that we love that unborn baby, but we could care less about the mother. The honest truth is, if you look at most, if not all, these crisis pregnancy Christian centers, their concern is with that mom. 
giving them uh, even help financially, giving them emotional help, giving them training on helping the child and that mom. So, so that argument is erroneous as well. We do care about the mother who is carrying that child, don't we? Well, we really do. And do you know what love, you know, the Word of God tells us to love our neighbor. Love means telling people sometimes not what they uh, want to hear, but what they need to hear. Mm-hmm. I think about a person that I was counseling, and he was dabbling with drugs. And I had some very harsh words for him, and I um, got an open door to get him in a counseling program that has a, a high success rate. It's a christian base. And he and his parents, although his parents shouldn't have been involved because this man was an adult already. He was about 30 years old. But he said, you know, I can handle this. I've got this. I said, you cannot handle it in your own strength. And at one point, he had come to me for counseling. He said, you know, you don't cut me any slack. You're really harsh on me. And I said, yeah, because uh, you're dancing with a cobra snake. You think you can handle drugs and you can't. They're handling you. Anyway, I saw this guy about two weeks ago. He finally did, after a decade, lost his marriage, lost his job, lost his driver's license, lost his health. He got in the counseling program, and he finally got clean. But he looked at me. He said, Alex, if only I had listened to you 10 years ago. Do we care about the mother? Of course. We We care about the, the father, too. But here's the thing. Sometimes the most loving thing is not to coddle and allow people to go through emotional duress, physical harm to themselves, the trajectory of their life askew. We tell people the things that honestly will, if they will heed godly wisdom, yield to their benefit. Telling the truth is always the most loving thing to do. And while we tell them the truth, most of these pregnancy centers are are volunteers who love the Lord and love those people. Many of them are women who have had abortions and got forgiveness, yes. and now they're there on the front lines making a difference and encouraging these women not to go the destructive way of abortion. Yes. And, and we as believers, Alex, how does prayer come into this? Does the church passively sit back uh, and I know we vote, and we'll talk about that just right before we go off the air uh, with this program, but I am sharing, we need to be men and women of prayer and praying for the hearts to change concerning abortion and also praying for those people who are abortion-minded. Well, absolutely. I mean, we do need to pray, and I would um, in, encourage every church to, for one thing, have an intercessor team, a team of people always praying for the church and and praying for a lot of things, to pray for the truth of God and truth of, of moral knowledge to go forth, to pray against the satanic delusion uh, that has gripped our nation. But I mean, look at the cheapening of human life, uh, the, the killings, the shootings. And here's the thing. Um, we as a nation have lost our moral backbone, our moral resolve. Um, criminals aren't prosecuted as they should be. Um, the law is not carried out as it should be. And even uh, character in leaders, because here's the thing. Um, we, we talk about leaders and we have so many elected officials that um, don't have character and we've suffered under many that did not. 
But here's the deal. If you uh, are not morally convicted by the murder of infants, I doubt you're going to feel a lot of um, uh, duress about how people behave in, in lesser ways. You see, the highest moral precept is life. And if you fail at the highest level of moral truth, you're probably not going to have a lot of strong conviction at lower levels of moral truth. And you know what? Uh, there's so much science here uh, that uh, I would love. I wish we had time to talk about the fact that the cells that make up you at the moment of conception, uh, you are a person at the instant. at that moment. Yes. Um, and and do you know what? Um, the the cell divisions that occur within just uh, moments after conception. The cells that make up you and your physical attributes are all in the DNA. Um, You've got um, metabolism, growth, response to stimuli, and reproduction, cell reproduction. The four criteria for life happen at the moment of conception. Metabolism, growth, cell reproduction, and response to stimuli. And do you know what? I've got an article here, Bert, from New Scientist, a secular magazine. Embryo cells decide their entire future Within two days of conception. Okay, within two days of conception, the cells in an embryo, uh, a fertilized egg, have a distinct, this is their words, a distinct genetic signature that indicates uh, all of the future details about the, the fetus. Now, male, female, attributes, physical characteristics, it's all there in this blueprint for you called DNA. It's a human life. It's amazing. It's I a wanna, human life. I want to go to this one, the alternative and adoption and keeping that child. The abortion-minded oh, yes. uh, folks don't even talk about that. The abortion is the answer, no alternative. When you go to one of the Christian crisis pregnancy centers that is trying to help the mom and help the child both, then they hear about adoption and keeping the child and equipping that mom to be the mom she needs to be. But adoption is a reality. It's biblical, and yes. it is a great alternative. Do you know what? I just saw a, a propaganda piece from Planned Parenthood, and um, one leaflet that they pass out in public schools says that um, to have many sexual partners is not a bad thing. And adults and clergy will try to make you feel bad, but but uh, and it basically says promiscuity is nothing to be ashamed of. And then there are pamphlets, unplanned pregnancy. We're here for you. What is so sad is this loss of morality, rejection of God, loss of human rights, and really fundamental changes of our constitution. Why was it all done for profit, for money? And one of the reasons that the pro-choice people hate abortion, even though it blesses so many lives, the the child, the parents, um, abortion cuts into their bottom line. And God forbid that we lose our soul over money. Bert, regarding life and abortion, some things are not for sale, like our soul, our children, and our future. So when you go and you vote, you don't sell your soul for We're going to give you a better life, but we're going to kill the babies. That does not compute, does it, Alex? It doesn't. So we need to pray, take a stand, and live a life of truth promotion, influencing others on this issue. Make a difference in your world. Uh, Find a crisis pregnancy center, financially support them, 
volunteer to help there and pray that God would intervene and also vote and vote godly and make a difference in the world we live in. 